I think that listening and trying to find out as much information as you can is the number one thing. Most people go in and they they say exactly what they want and they give away too much information. It's always better to just listen. Best ever listeners, I want to mention Lima One Capital and I found out about them through a guest that I was interviewing on the show and he mentioned how he was scaling his business. He was actually buying 10 single family homes within one year. And I asked him, how were you able to buy 10 single family homes and how were you financing that? He's like, oh, well, I just use an asset based lender. I was like, who is that? And he told me it's a Lima One Capital. I reached out to them afterwards, got to know them, and they are the sponsor of today's episode because they've got some unique lending programs. Uh, One of them is called Rental 30, where, as I mentioned, they're an asset based lender. So They're lending based on the property's appraised value, as well as they look at the down payment that you're bringing to the table and the cash reserves. Uh, They'll lend up to 75% loan to value. And this is huge. This is huge because typically as a single family investor, uh, your lending strength is based on your personal income, as well as how many properties you have, how many loans you have out. There's no restrictions on portfolio size with their Rental 30 program. Go to lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. Sign up, learn more about the program. That's lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. They also have a program for fix and flippers. Even if you haven't done a fix and flip, they'll still lend to you. They've been in the business uh, since 2010. So they've been around the block. They know their underwriting guidelines. They're not loosey-goosey, but they do have a very specific uh, criteria um, that helps beginning fix and flippers get their fix and flip projects done, as well as experienced fix and flippers. They reward you as an experienced fix, fix and flipper and you actually get a lower interest rate and lower origination fee. Again, go to lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. And some legal stuff I have to say, it is Lima One Capital LLC. And the NMLS ID number is 1324403. And their address is 201 East McBee Avenue, Suite 300, Greenville, South Carolina, 29601. Again, lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. If you're looking for a fix and flip loan or if you're looking for a buy and hold investment property and you're trying to finance it and you want it to be asset based, lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners. Hello. Hello. How you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out the fluff. We don't get into any of that stuff. We only talk about real estate investing advice and insights that move your business forward. We've spoken to Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Barbara Corcoran, Shark Tank, uh, let's see. Jay Papazon, the author or the co-author of The One Thing with Gary Keller, which I'm also reading The Millionaire Real Estate Agent right now, which is a wonderful book by that duo as well. And with us today, we got Kelly Robinson. How are you doing, Kelly? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for being on the show and looking forward to getting to know you a little bit about Kelly and then she'll get into it. She has over a decade of selling residential real estate experience in New York City. She has a market knowledge and she's data-driven and that's what sets her apart. And this is an interesting stat. Over 70% 
of her closed listings sell for record prices. So over 70% of the listings that she closes, they sell for record prices. So clearly she's, she's got some sort of analytical tool or approach and really looking forward to talking to her about that. Um, which, of course, as a result of all that stuff, it, it helps uh, her and her clients and investors get better returns. You can say hi to her at her company's website, Companies Core NYC, and there's a, a link in the show notes page that you can click and you can uh, say hi to her as well as read up on more of her bio. So feel free to do that. She's in New York City, New York, where I live for 10 years and just moved from. And Kelly, you, with that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Where did you live in New York first, by the way? I was, well, my first year I lived in East Flatbush, Brooklyn. Okay. When right. I, uh, it was in 2005 is when I lived there. Um, and then I quickly moved out of that area and lived in the East Village for nine years. Cool. Wow. Very cool. Love the East Village. Yes. One of my favorite neighborhoods. A lot of my close friends live there, and I'm actually going down there for dinner tonight. So. Oh, there you go. There you <laughs> yep. go. Second in B. Um, <laughs> so I got into to real estate, like you said, uh, just over a, a decade ago in New York City. I kind of fell into it. It wasn't something that I was looking to do, but I immediately fell in love with it. I've always loved looking at houses. I used to make my parents go to open houses in our town. They would get so upset with me because I would beg them and beg them just because I like to look at them. And we lived in kind of a small town in Connecticut. And so they were kind of embarrassed because everybody knew everybody else. And it was like, oh, here come the Robinsons again, you know, looking at the house for no reason because they're <laughs> 11 year old is interested. So, you know, but that never kind of sparked anything in me where I, I knew I wanted to be in real estate. I just kind of always been a very visual person and loved um, beautiful homes and decor and kind of trying to figure out what I could do to make it better. So I, I just kind of fell into it and never left. It was something I was going to do temporarily and I was good at it. It's definitely a full-time job. Anybody who thinks they can make a great living part-time um, either just is really, really lucky and knows a lot of people or is wrong in my opinion. Yep. <laughs> What's your focus right now? Um, well, in Manhattan, my focus is residential real estate. And I, you know, all over the island of Manhattan is where I specialize, do a little bit of Brooklyn, um, but mainly Manhattan and the areas where I typically do most of my business as far as listing is concerned, the Upper East Side and Greenwich Village, West Village, East Village, Gramercy area. Obviously, I work with a ton of buyers and really, you know, Anywhere on the island of Manhattan, I would say below 125th Street is the neighborhoods change, but it's the same kind of situation with regards to cooperatives, which is very, very different from pretty much anywhere else in the United States dealing with cooperative buildings, condos and townhouses and investment properties. For sure. When you're working with the investment property listings or with buyers who are wanting to purchase investment properties, what and you can take it whichever direction you want. Okay. What's your approach? Well, uh, it really depends on what the investor is looking for. Um, some investors want to get into a new development project. They want to get in before it launches because they want to get the Schedule A pricing, which is the first approved schedule of pricing by the attorney general and is 
typically the lowest price. And that is um, when, when you do new development in New York City, and I'm sure you know this, the sponsor of the new development needs to get 15% of the building into contract before the plan can be declared effective by the attorney general and financing is easier. So if you can go in and do uh, d- as an investor and get in before the building really launches and you, you need a broker who knows and can get in before they launch because it's very difficult to do, there's major gatekeeping involved, mm-hmm. um, then usually you're going to get the best price. And by the time they launch the building to the public, they're going to be that 15% in contract or at least some in contract prices in your line are most likely going to have already increased. And so that in and of itself is a great tool for certain investors. Now, many times in those new developments, they have rules where, for example, for 18 months, if you buy in that building, you cannot resell your property because you may be uh, competing with the sponsor Mm -hmm. if they haven't sold out. Many times they'll waive that rule if you have a good attorney, especially if it's a boutique building and they're doing well. If they're selling out, they're not going to care. Mm-hmm. Um, but as an investor, it's always good to work with somebody who can get you in before they really officially launch, before they've got that 15% in contract because they really need to get that 15% into contract and that's when you can get the best price. For an investor who's looking to rent in New York City, you you know you not only have to deal with the price of the apartment and the taxes, but you also generally have to deal with the common charges in the building. So when you're talking about your yields, it used to be that the best yield would be like 6%. That was like a good yield to get on your investment. So if your income from your rent was 6% above and beyond what your investment was, then that was a good yield. That's right. changed. Lower? It's much lower. Now it's like 3% is really good. So. What we try to do is we try and look in neighborhoods that are up and coming, but also have really good infrastructure like transportation and whatnot, not just up and coming right now in a hot market, but where you know if it's going to be a down market, there's still infrastructure there that will kind of hold it. So I kind of look for places, for example, on the Upper East Side where there's a Second Avenue subway that's supposed to be done soon with a year. So we look at places on the Upper East Side where they're not as close to transportation, but Whole Foods has just gone in two blocks away. And there are great buildings and great restaurants and stuff. And it's still a little bit far from transportation, but in about a year, there's going to be the subway and more and more restaurants and stuff are coming in. And you can get a, a three cap right now. So hopefully not only will the price of your place increase, but also the price of your potential rent. So if you want to sell, you can sell. If you want to rent, you're probably going to have a better return at that time. I have not heard of the Schedule A pricing, and perhaps I should have, but I've, I've never done ground-up development, nor have I invested in it. I'm glad that you mentioned this. No one's. I've never actually had anyone talk about this. You mentioned that there's major gatekeeping involved. What is that? <laughs> For example, um, I'm on a project right now, and it's a boutique project, and you have brokers who will try really hard to get in. They'll hear about the project. They'll go, and they'll, they'll see the construction, and they'll find out who's going to be working on a project before 
it's ready to launch and they'll just keep calling and calling and calling because they've got a lot of investors to find out, okay, when are you launching? When are you launching officially? I have somebody, I need to get them in before you launch officially. And typically there are a few apartments that the sponsor of a building or the developer will release. They'll be willing to sell before they actually market it online. Because there are so many people out there, especially in New York City, there's so many brokers in New York City who are just trying to get the first sneak peek. Mm -hmm. You really have to be, as a broker, um, you have to have good relationships and you have to really be on top of trying to get in before they really launch, right? Because most brokers just wait until the building comes up online. And um, by that time, you've already, for the most part, you've missed the initial pricing. Just on a maybe a per unit basis, like what type of discount would it be? Like if if the apartment was, you know, bef- uh, during Schedule A pricing was I don't know five hundred thousand. Then after that, how much do you think it would go for? You know, it really depends on the market. And what the what the building is offering as far as unit mix and pricing in that market, because everything is different. There are buildings right now that are sitting in their buildings that are priced well and really well done that are flying off the market. It's so it's so individual and there's no there's not really a rule of thumb as far as how much it increases. They test the market if they're schedule A pricing it. they're asking um, right away, then maybe they'll raise it 10%. Maybe they'll raise it 5%. Maybe they'll raise it 20%. It really depends. You know, a lot of times um, if, a, if a developer doesn't release certain units, but a savvy broker or buyer knows that that layout is available on a higher floor and that is more desirable for them, and maybe this developer hasn't released that unit yet because they're waiting for a third amendment when they could offer it at a much higher price. A broker or their buyer will offer a price that's higher than the Schedule A. As the on-site or the listing broker, if it's not released yet, you can't solicit an offer from somebody, but you can't stop somebody from making an unsolicited offer. (laughs) So, (laughs) and that happens. It happens a lot, especially with savvy investors. They will make an unsolicited offer because the Schedule A, though hard to find, is public information. Mm. has to be filed with the attorney general and approved by the attorney general and the department of state, uh, the department of buildings, the department of state. So they, you can find it if you're savvy. So you can find what the original pricing would be and then make an offer above or at or whatever, depending on that. Now, a listing agent cannot promise you that they will take that price. They cannot hint at what price they might take. But a lot of times the savvy investor will make an offer above that Schedule A pricing and sometimes the sponsor will work with them. And that has happened quite a bit. And many times when that starts happening, then when the sponsor makes an amendment, they kind of go with that as far as what types of pricing they think they can get. If people are offering a certain amount above their Schedule A pricing, they may push the envelope a little bit. So it's really, like I said, there's no set rule. I want to switch gears a little bit. I read on your bio that you're a certified negotiation expert, and I suspect that helps tie back to what I mentioned earlier when I was introducing you, where over 70% of your closed listings sell for record prices. What are 
two or three tips that you'd give to any real estate investor that you have learned as you know being a certified negotiation expert? Well, one is to always listen to the other side. Always find out as much information as you can about them and their motivation. There's usually a, a, another broker on the other side, so you're usually not dealing directly with the seller to understand really what kind of a negotiator they are. But I think that listening and trying to find out as much information as you can is the number one thing. Most people go in and they, they say exactly what they want and they give, give away too much information about themselves. They show their cards too quickly. It's always better to just listen. And if you sit and listen long enough or you stay quiet long enough, usually somebody will open up and give you some information that's really important. Love it. So that's one tip. Another tip is there are um, quite a few deals that we've done, which it's not as unusual, especially in New York, for um, a seller to need to stay in the apartment longer. Many attorneys will advise against a post-closing occupancy agreement. But if you're an investor, you want a tenant for the most part, if you're looking for you know, an investor who's going to hold and rent. If you can work out a deal with your seller and you can run, you know, they agree to have credit run and whatnot, where you can get them to stay for six months or a year, depending on what time uh, of year the best is best to rent, you can work out a lease that ends at the best time of year to rent and you can have your seller stay and you can take that rent off of the purchase price so that they're not claiming capital gains on that rent and you're not for the first year or year or so, um, you know, collecting ordinary income. I think that's a really great way to make a deal happen. Oh, it's great. Yeah. And your first tip on negotiation that reminds me of whenever I was at a conference, it's a family office conference where it's just a bunch of families who have a net worth worth of over twenty million, and mm. uh, like a handful of them over five hundred million, and a couple uh, over a billion. And they were saying the best way to work with them is to listen, because <laughs> so many people talk, 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 and like try and you know talk about their services, what they can offer them, and and really just like being quiet and as you said, staying quiet long enough. And just like listening to what they're saying, I I, I love that. I've, I've heard that tip uh, from people who are really good at in business uh, multiple times. And so I'm going to, right now, I'm going to officially bold it in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you're clearly very good at listening as well. <laughs> I just take a lot of notes. When people talk, I just write, write, write. Well, Kelly, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Oh, my best real estate investing advice ever. Um, don't wait for the market to bottom out because there's always going to be a good deal if you're smart and you're creative and you're savvy and you're willing to be resourceful and look for it and have somebody who's willing to be resourceful and look for it. People try and time the market and it's so hard to do. Even the savviest, most experienced investors will tell you that you, you can't always time the market. Economists these days are all over the map. You listen to one person says one thing, another person says another thing. Real estate market in New York City is strong in most sectors right now, while the stock market hasn't been so great. And those things usually go hand in hand. You really can't time the market. And most of the time when people wait for it to go down, they miss their, they miss their opportunity. 
if a real estate investor comes to you and they say, hey, I've got, I don't know, a million bucks, I want to make at least 10% of my money, do you say go to another market, can't help you? I don't ever say go to another market, I can't help you. I usually try to... Do you think it? <laughs> <laughs> it depends on just how unreasonable they are. But I think, you know, somebody who's real, maybe maybe they they think they can get something that maybe they could have gotten seven years ago or six years ago, and maybe they just need a little bit of an education. So I try and educate them first. And if they're still unreasonable, then, you know, I tell them, look, you know, I would love to help you. If I come across something, I'll let you know, but it's probably not going to happen here. You know, I'll never tell anybody that it's definitely going to happen because then you just, you know, you're driving yourself and the, client insane yep makes sense yeah but um but no i don't i don't turn people down right away unless i think that they're just really out of their mind yep (laughs) how many closings roughly have you done or or how 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 like what what type of volume either dollars or closings or something just um context closings in the past 10 and a half years got hundreds hundreds um hundreds and i've done hundreds of millions what percentage of that would be working with investors? I work with a lot of investors and I would say that my, actually my listings, I'm whereas most brokers look, go out and just look for the listing. I actually really enjoy working with buyers and I'll, I'll be a little pickier about listings. I do more like 60% buyers and 40% listings. I would say about 40%, 40 to 50% of my buyers are investors or at least they are buying to live now but plan on holding as an investment later on. What's one deal out of those where the investor deals that really stands out to you? You know, recently um and there's nothing really amazing about these deals, but uh recently I did two deals in one building that I found. Uh, on the Upper East Side. It's a building that it's so beautiful. It was built in the 90s, but it feels like it was built this decade because the architect was so ahead of their time. And it's a beautiful condo. It's on First Avenue and 88th Street. And the closest subway is 86th and Lexington, which is quite a bit of a walk, right? It's a good 10-minute walk, uh, maybe a little bit more. And I've been taking people to this building for 10 years. And I just, you know... Everybody who's who I've ever brought has said, oh, you know, this is such a nice building. It's such a nice block, but it's just too far from the grocery store. It's just too far from the transportation. Well, Whole Foods just went in two blocks away. <laughs> and the second Avenue subway is like, finally, they put the escalators in. It's starting to show signs of actually happening. I brought two different investors there. I brought one there. He's, he's a big developer in New York City, but he does a lot of his personal investment through me. And I brought him up there. I said, you really got to see this neighborhood. And he's like, you know, I've never thought about this neighborhood. And who would have thought an investor, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, a, a, a big developer in New York City just doesn't, doesn't know a neighborhood, right? <laughs> yeah. But he said, no, you know, and he, we walked around. He's like, this is really great. I see where you're coming from. So we did a deal very similar to the one that I described where, you know, the sellers are going to stay through at least through, um, you know, the summertime, which is the best time to rent in New York City. The winter is dead. So there, you know, and we took that off of the purchase price and that worked out really well. And he said, you know what, this is such a great deal. I have this investor in Israel. Can you find another apartment in the building? I called somebody who had been on the market, who was no longer on the market, asked them if they were willing to sell. 
their apartment was in way better shape than a similar, uh, the same line and a higher floor that was listed. Uh, but I got them a, a much better deal and the same situation. Sellers going to stay, take that rent off the purchase price, and you've got a, a lease coming up in uh, in the summer with an option to renew at a very strong market rate. Did two of those in a month. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, Matt Bowles, who was a guest on episode 289. His company, Maverick Investor Group, has a special report just for you on how to avoid the seven biggest mistakes in real estate that investors make in the 2016 boom cycle. Get yours free at maverickinvestorgroup.com forward slash best ever. That's M-A-V-E-R-I-C-K, investorgroup.com forward slash best ever. Kelly, what's the best ever book you've read? I will say one of the best books that I've read is that Dale Carnegie book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I think that goes back to what we were talking about before about listening. Mm -hmm. Um, And not so much as influencing other people because I find that to sound really manipulative and uncaring. But I just think that it really taught me to listen. And that has been the most important vehicle for my business is just to really listen and to genuinely care. I, I, and I hear the sirens in the background and I miss that living in New York Sorry. City. No, no, it, not, it, it, it makes me feel warm because I, I remember uh, experiencing that every 10 minutes in living in the East Village. <laughs> <laughs> and, and actually every five seconds living in East Flatbush. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what's going on out there right yeah. now. There's a lot. Best ever um, personal growth experience, and what'd you learn from it? I think one of my best ever personal growth experiences in real estate had to be a time where I was new, fairly new, a couple of years into the business, and I really needed the check. But I just felt like this building that my, or this apartment that my buyers really fell in love with and wanted just was not a good property for them. The building had so many issues and they were kind of like, yeah, but we love it. We want it. But their, their timeline was only, you know, two years to stay. And there really wasn't anything else on the market. I sat them down and I said, you know what, maybe, maybe you're going to get mad at me. Maybe I'll shoot myself in the foot for this, but I just don't, I just don't feel comfortable with you moving forward. And so they didn't, they didn't buy it. um, And they ended up waiting got a year and a half to buy something um, but they referred everybody that they knew to me they still do and um, and I felt good about giving them the right advice rather than what was just kind of the instant gratification for myself and ever since then I feel like you know doing the right thing is way more important than a paycheck just curious have you looked at how many transactions you've closed on through their referrals? Through those people's referrals? That yeah. particular person? Yeah. I think it's 16 now. 16 transactions? Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's a that's a great story. Great lesson. What's the best ever way you like to give back? Um, I have a scholarship fund in honor of my father that gives young rugby players a uh, a scholarship every year for college. And so I do that. And um, I, you know, I donate to various charities. I do want to get involved with Habitat for Humanity, which I haven't done yet, but uh, I would love to do that or a charity that builds homes. And what would you say is the biggest mistake you've made so far in real estate? 
Oh, God, there have been so many. <laughs> um, there have been a lot of mistakes, but, you know, I have to say that every single mistake has led to a really good lesson and growth. They say that failure is the mother of all success, so I guess one of my biggest mistakes um, a couple of years ago was I wrote something in on a, a listing agreement um, without having my legal department sign off on it. And I ended up losing a lot of money because of it. And um, it was like an exception for like two weeks for a buyer that had come before I had gotten a listing, but it wasn't specific enough. And, um, and I got screwed out of a commission on that. So I think the lesson learned was always have your legal department pencil things in. Don't do it yourself. Mm. And don't do business with those people either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's the best ever place the listeners can reach you? Uh, email or my, my cell phone. You want to give out your email and cell phone? Absolutely. Uh, email is krobinson, K-R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N at corenyc.com, C-O-R-E-N-Y-C.com. That's probably the very best place to reach me and my website has all of my numbers and my contact information. Or if you email me, I'll email you right back and you'll get my cell phone number. Awesome. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for being on thank the show you. and sharing your, your story and your your career experiences with us. And yeah, I, I've been, as, as I mentioned earlier, I've been writing notes throughout our conversation. And boy, the Schedule A thing is something that's brand new to me. I'm really glad that you mentioned Schedule A pricing, which oh, okay. is um, the first approved. Well, it, it allows the investors to get in at a discounted rate, in theory, a discounted rate. And the first rate, the, the, the bottom, the, you know, the first pricing. The yeah. first pricing. Yes. Mm -hmm. the, the first pricing. The lowest. And then also, you know, your negotiation approach where you, you mentioned two different uh, quick tips. One was the a post-closing occupancy agreement, which you referenced in a, a later example. And then the first one, though, was listening to the other side and find their motivation. So just stay quiet long enough and listen and ask the right questions. And um, the it, it's, it's just so obvious to me the more and more I talk to high achievers like yourself, how important that is. And then lastly... The example of your your personal growth experience, where you needed the the commission check at right at you know the beginning of your career, but you had a, a a conversation where you mentioned to your your clients that it just wasn't the right fit for the building that they were looking at the apartment. They waited a year and a half to actually buy, so your commission waited a year and a half, but. Boy, over the course of you know these 10, 10 or so years that you've been doing this, 16 people have now closed with you as a result of their recommendations. So mm -hmm. really good story. And it, it, it's, it, you know, Tim Ferriss talks about playing the long game. And uh, mm -hmm. that's, that's my approach as well, where it's not transaction-based, but it's, hey, we're in this for the long haul. And as you said earlier, you know, the, those who say they can do it part-time are either very lucky or delirious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and so, you know, those who are, of us who are in it for the long haul, it is about the relationship stuff. And um, I think that story is a testament to that. So thank you so much for, sure. thank for being you. on the show. I hope you have a best ever day. Me and too. we'll talk to you soon. Great. Thank you so much. 
Best ever listeners, Matt Bowles, who was a guest on episode 289. His company, Maverick Investor Group, has a special report just for you on how to avoid the seven biggest mistakes in real estate that investors make in the 2016 boom cycle. Get yours free at maverickinvestorgroup.com forward slash best ever. That's M-A-V-E-R-I-C-K investorgroup.com forward slash best ever.